You're listening to Recovery Survey, the podcast that shatters stigmas around different types of addictions and takes a deep dive into spiritual principles. I find a lot of wisdom that come from your show. You interview different people and I know you just do an overall good job and you're a blessing to recovery in general. So I want to make that very clear for the record that I love the movement that you have, what you're doing, you're saving lives and you're educating and informing people. And I think that's important. I want to thank my friends at Recovery Survey for giving me the opportunity to talk to them about my recovery journey. Thank you for having me on uh, the new podcast that you just developed, which is unbelievable, Recovery Survey Podcast. I really appreciate what you're doing and, and been doing and continue doing. Our guest today is named Brett, and he is the founder of a company called Another Direction. He takes people in recovery on backpacking trips. I'll just go ahead and read the mission statement on his website. It says, we leverage the power of wilderness as the platform to combine all the tools you need to thrive. This approach combines mental health exercises, physical exertion, stretching, nutritional supplementation, writing exercises, meditation, and knowledge for comprehensive wellness boot camp that will give you the skills to not only fill your own bucket, but to go beyond just being okay and enter into a state of flourishing. Welcome to the show, Brett. Yeah, so uh, thank you for having me. Um, this is Brett with Another Direction. Again, I know there's some some plugging that will probably happen, but I'll just throw it out there. You can find the website at findanotherdirection.com for kind of the, the full details. But yeah, so Brett, thank you for having me. <laughs> so, so two Bretts here. Um, I'll give, you know, just a little bit of a, of an overview of kind of what I'm here to talk about and, um, a little bit about me and then we'll, then we'll kind of get into it. If that works for you. Yeah, that sounds great. I'd love to hear more. I'll just start that, you know, with addictions, kind of a sensitive matter to me. It's obviously near and dear to me because I have a number of, uh, really close family members that actively or continue to struggle in that space and have actually lost a, a family member due to uh, due to addiction. And so, again, it's been something that has been, you know, I've been aware of present in my life, et cetera, for a long time and, and knew that this was a space that that I wanted to work in, interact in, et cetera. I also subscribe heavily to self-improvement techniques, tactics, rules, tools, resources, however you want to call it. I like the idea of self-improvement and growth and continual growth. And so, you know, I've spent a lot of time researching that for my own purposes, for purposes of helping friends and family, for, you know, you name it. This stuff just really, really resonates with me, you know, from various different, various different aspects or different, you know, uh, parts of the recovery world, self-improvement, you name it. And I think they all kind of tie together. Again, a little verbose there, apologies, but I'll, I'll talk a little bit about another direction and kind of what it is, what it's aimed at, who it's aimed at, and you know what the purpose is. So another direction is, again, it, it falls into the self-improvement space. It's geared towards people that have struggled with addiction. So the target audience and the target guest on these trips is not somebody who is actively in they're using or active in their addiction um, because the way that the trips are framed is 
we're going to drive up to the mountains. We're going to spend the night at base camp night one. And then we're going to hike in eight to 10 miles up, you know, nearly 2000 feet with 35 pounds on our back and really let, let the, uh, the wilderness and the woods and all the challenges that come up there, we're going to let that be kind of half of half of the program and learning process that's going to take place. So that being said, it's not a place that you want to be trying to detox in or coming off of anything or trying to um, stay on something. It's just, it's not the situation that we're trying to employ here. So again, to, to refocus a little bit, the ideal situation is somebody who, who really has gone through and taken the steps or processes they need to detox, get clean. Ideally, they've done some, some work, whether it's some 12-step work, whether it's some non-12-step or other type of recovery framework, and really built a little bit of a foundation. And what the person is looking for is kind of something more, something more to help them thrive in their recovery or in the next phase of their life however they want to define the the post-using phase. And so, like I said, this is targeted for people who have been through an addiction in some some facet. We're not focusing on that. We're not not going to be up there in the mountains talking about using or talking about ways to cope with the desire to use. This is really phase two, so to speak. This is going to be life skills. This is going to be tools and techniques to improve discipline, to improve you know, your emotional regulation to improve resilience, teamwork, corroboration, and, and really hopefully, you know, find some joy, hopefully show, show that there are other ways out there to find those peak experiences. If somebody goes on one of these, these trips and they come back and they go, hey, backpacking is not for me. That's not something I want to ever do again. However, I have found that there are ways to find other passions. There are ways that I can find other things I'm going to be really interested in and in putting some focus in and that give me joy. That's perfect for me. Like it's, it's, this isn't a, a selling backpacking program. It's really using the wilderness as a platform to boost the recovery. But, you know, if you don't fall in love with backpacking after this, that's fine. I know that I did when I started doing this in my early 20s, when I started getting into the woods, that was something that really resonated with me. And, and I think there's a lot of power in that. And I think that most people that really kind of give some focus and, and some positive perspective to time out in challenging wilderness environments, I think that that is a benefit, but it doesn't mean it has to be for you. One thing I'll also mention that the program is going to be fairly intensive, not just from a not just from a physical exhaustion standpoint and mental resilience standpoint, because that's just innate in hiking and backpacking, like I described. But this is coupled with with a number of writing techniques, breathing techniques. Um, we're going to be getting into some stretching, quasi yoga style practices, things like that. It's not going to be overwhelming. It's this. This is not going to take the majority of the time. But but realistically. You know, we're going to combine a lot of tools and techniques with, you know, the fact that we're going to be walking in the woods for four days. The idea there is, again, to take your recovery or your, your attempt to thrive to the next level as well as build a foundation. So what does that look like? I can walk through a little bit briefly what the trip looks like. So 
yeah, let me pause first because I feel like I've spoken for a few minutes and maybe there's some follow-up questions. Yeah, I've got a couple of questions. You mentioned that you started backpacking when you were in your 20s. What made you decide to start a company and start bringing other people along on these trips? And the other question is, do you provide gear or are the participants responsible to bring their own gear? I've been backpacking a couple of times and I know that there's a lot of gear that you're going to need. So is that something that you provide or do they need to bring their own gear? Great follow-up. So everything's provided. The only thing that you need to, you know, as a guest would need to bring is clothing and outerwear, shoes, socks, change of clothes, things like that. All the food, the meals, the cooking utensils and, and stoves and water filters, backpacks, sleeping bags sleeping pads, tents, all that's going to be provided. That's not such a great thing because you have to carry it all, right? So it's <laughs> that's night one. Also, it sort of flows into the overview of the trip. So, so high level, you need to get yourself to the Sacramento area. That's step one. So people come, you know, will come from all over the country. And, and as we know, in the recovery world, people go all over the country and sometimes the world to do that. So so just because this is focused in the Sierra Nevada mountains doesn't mean that it's not open to the rest of the country. The Sierra Nevadas are a very amazing place in this country. Nonetheless, so day one, we meet at noon. We all get in the van and we drive to the trailhead where we're going to do a just what I call car camping, where we're just going to camp for the night from 4 p.m. ish, you know, till we all go to bed is spent kind of getting people prepared as far as checking their gear to make sure everything's um, fitted to them because backpacks can be adjusted, make sure everybody has everything they need, going through and showing everybody how to use their gear, how to set up your tent, how to stuff a sleeping bag in a stuff sack, like how to use a stove, kind of just some light training, just so everybody's kind of set up. And again, it's all provided, empowering people to use the stove to cook their own foods and things like that. There's a lot of little tasks that do provide the benefit through, you know, oh shoot, I just built this fire. I just used how to, you know, I just learned how to assemble the stove and boil this water to make these meals. Not major tasks, but little wins, which which are a benefit. And then the next morning we hit the trail. It's an early morning start. Um, We get up, we do, some general kind of stretching warm-up stuff. We'll do a quick writing exercise every day. There's going to be a bit of a standard practice of a short daily writing exercise, which kind of goes through some gratitude, goes through some free writing, goes through some goals. It's it's not meant to be long, but one of the principles that I follow and, and believe heavily in is that mental health is just like physical health, you know, that it needs to be reinforced periodically, frequently, daily, whatever you want to call it. But If you're trying to go to the gym and get fit or eat healthy, you can't just do it once and then expect the rest of your life to be fine. This is an ongoing effort. So, yeah, we get up, we do some writing, we do a quick exercise of stretching, some meditation, and we hit the trail. And basically, hike all day, we get to the camp where we're going to stay for two nights and set up camp. And then by then, it's usually pretty late. So we'll kind of hang out, eat dinner, do some more. There's more to it. I would just recommend people go to the website if they want to see more detailed agenda, as well as, you know, some of it's, I don't want to call it secret sauce, but it's really kind of the whole program. So I don't want to get too into the details there, but we will do some, some stuff that we'll get into some writing about some challenging experiences. 
ways to monitor self-accountability and find where we may have played a role in certain challenging experiences, things like that. So, you know, some concepts that are present in a lot of different recovery programs. And I think that, you know, it's always, always a benefit to revisit some of that, that stuff, as well as talk through some things that are similar to goal setting. We got to base care to, to the main camp after night two. The next day is spent doing some day hikes, some fishing, swimming options for people that are interested. You know, there's obviously some people aren't going to want to get into icy cold water even in the middle of summer. The thing about backpacking, you expressed that you've done some. I think about it as like active leisure because there is always something to do. There's always going to be, you hike all day, you hike for six, seven hours and you get to camp and you're like, oh, okay, great. I just want to sit and relax now. Well, you can't because you have to collect wood. You have to set up camp. You got to build your tent. You have to hang your food or put your bear box a little bit away, things like that. So it's not the same kind of stress that like maybe a traditional work to-do list would be. And that's why I find it so enjoyable and, and powerful because I think it really kind of hits the core of what it is to be human, where it's this, again, active leisure, where it's like, yeah, I have this stuff to do, but I'm just kind of wandering around. <laughs> you know, there's, there's no boss. There's no deadlines. It's just, I know if I want to sleep well, I better have my tent set up. And if I want to eat and have a fire to sit around, I better have some some wood collected. So there's a lot of benefits that I find in that because we've also have these group dynamics that a few, a few books that, that I reference on the website that talk about these group dynamics, I think in, in the book by Martin Seligman, this positive psychology concept. There's also Sebastian Junger wrote this book about group dynamics and strife. And so I try to adopt some of those principles because I've found them to be present in these backpacking situations. And so again, powerful experience through all that. I think I'm in day three or four now. We spend the last night and then essentially the last day as we we hike back out, drive back down the hill out of the mountains and then let people disperse back to their either the airport or their car or however they got there. And again, because you didn't have to bring a whole bunch of gear with you, it's pretty easy, right? You just have a simple departure and hopefully, you know, you have some uh, some really good takeaways and you know, a very powerful experience with a group of people to help you out. Yeah, I think there's definitely something very beneficial about getting back to almost that kind of primitive level and being one with nature. I had one question. How large are the groups that you typically take? Yeah, I think there's a lot of benefits there in that, in what you're speaking of. One thing I'll mention, it's not going to be massive groups. Each trip will be maxed out at six. So for anybody that's curious, like, you know, what it looks like or if that for whatever reason, you know, too many people would be an adverse thing for some people, just so everybody knows it's maxed out at six. And there's a number of reasons for that. Regulation wise, practically, you name it, right? Having too many people, I just think would be is too tricky. Now, the other interesting part, though, is the benefit of that group dynamic, because there is this concept, I think, that I brought up earlier that that I was or at least alluding to that. I really do believe in this concept of effort. Good things take effort, whether that's, you know, your own mental well-being. You can't just sit around and wait for you to get better. You're going to have to put in the effort. And oftentimes, effort comes from putting challenges in your own way. Hopefully, those are elective and you're choosing good challenges. For instance, 
going for a hike for physical exercise or writing or meditating or reading a, some book or going to meetings, if that's your approach, those things are challenging, but they're beneficial. Where I was going with the group dynamic with that is that you're going to have people from all walks of life. You're going to have people with different recovery approaches, mindsets, et cetera. This is a very inclusive program, and this is a very um, recovery approach agnostic program because, again, we're not getting into that. That's a personal matter. That's, that's something that I believe that people need to work, whatever program works for them, because we're all very different. So the potential challenges, as you can probably imagine, are people's different approaches and different personalities. When you get out in these situations out in the woods, you're relying on each other for a number of things. You know, you're going to have a couple of people that'll have maps and every so often we're going to have to check the map, make sure we're still on the right trail. We didn't miss the, the turnoff or something, or, you know, Hey, three or four of us got to go get wood. And, and you'll notice when people start carrying their weight or somebody's not. And so these are all little, little challenges. We all kind of have to work through that. But to your point, they're at the primitive level. And I think this is where we don't get enough of that primitive level interaction with each other, with nature, with our own selves in our daily lives. And so for me, I need this. I need this a few times a year at least. And eventually what I'm, what I'm really excited about is getting out during the, the winter months because me and my, my standard group of people that I go backpacking with recreationally, we always do at least one annual snow trip and it's miserable and it's testing and it's almost non-enjoyable the entire time. But Every time we finish, we're like, man, we're glad we did that. And we keep doing it every year. There's some intrinsic value we find in it in overcoming those challenges and proving to ourselves we can do them. It makes having to work an 11-hour day doing accounting work or whatever your day job is just a little bit easier when you know that you know, you've hiked 10 to 15 miles in a, a single day with 35 pounds on your back. Or in that case, I'm mentioning the, the snow, too, with snowshoes on. <laughs> So yeah, I, I agree. There is a very primitive benefit to a lot of this and probably spelled out in a lot more concise and, and pure form on my website. If you guys check that out, <laughs> I, I could be a little verbose as if you guys haven't noticed yet. I'll pause again for any follow-up questions. Otherwise I can jump into some other stuff. Yeah. One question is how did you decide to start taking these groups up into the mountains and doing these backpacking trips? So I guess what sort of started this, and I'll start from the seed. We're going to go back 10 plus years ago. I got into running randomly in my early 20s. And you're, you're probably going, what the hell is this? How is this going to come full circle? I'm not sure it will yet. We're going to all go find out together. So got into running in my, my early 20s. I was one of those kids that couldn't run over a mile. And I could never do the mile in high school without stopping. It just seemed like a foreign concept to me that people could run long distances. And, but I ended up just through kind of randomly accidentally falling into it. So I, I would go to the gym to go do like standard weightlifting and I would warm up with five minutes of running on the treadmill. And then it turned into six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And all of a sudden I was running 40 minutes on a treadmill and not working out at all. I was like, oh, maybe I can do this now. And I think that that set a bit of a foundation for me to say yes to physical based activities. So I had a, a friend and a kind of a mentor almost invite me on a backpacking trip. He's like, hey, we're going, me and a, me and a buddy, if you'd like to go, I kind of have enough gear to help you cobble it together. And, and so I'm, I'm out there in tennis shoes with holes in them and a chintzy old backpack. 
definitely underprepared, but I had the physical baseline to do it and not not hate it. And it just really resonated with me. I, I fell in love with it. it. It was amazing being out in these really under trafficked areas. You know, there's still a lot of people up there, but nowhere near the mountain stops that you can drive to. Because if you can drive there, there's going to be the, the foot traffic's going to be immense. So that planted that seed, and that that was like I said over 10 years ago. And I had just I went under kind of under that guy's wing for a little bit, and then eventually he moved and I started doing the same thing. And I started taking people out for their first trips and getting people set up. And now, okay, well now I know the gear and now I can recommend certain things and know the tips and tricks and pitfalls and general safety rules and concepts of let's stay on trail or, Hey, we got to be careful crossing these creeks. And cause there, there's a lot to, to consider while out there. This is all happening in parallel to, you know, like I said, my family members struggling and, trying to give them tools, recommendations, thoughts, reading, doing research, all trying to kind of to help them in ways that I could, offering any support I could. And so these two things, I kind of had always known I wanted to do something in the space, you know, had the standard career path, college and standard nine to five and got a business degree and did all that. So I knew it was going to have to start out as a bit of a side gig, but I, and I wasn't quite sure what it was going to look like, but both of these things just kept happening in parallel. I kept reading and consuming more information in or around the self-improvement and or recovery space, as well as kept going down the backpacking path. And they kind of finally merged in the last couple of years. I was like, yes, this is a no brainer. This is what I want to do. And so started taking out groups of people that were newer to kind of get a feel for it. And you know, whether they knew it or not, I remember being on a trip where, where I was kind of explaining what I wanted to do. And, and the guys were like, wait, are we your test out trip right now? Yeah. So some, some interesting ones. And it, it's been an experience like getting comfortable with that because obviously I'll have, I have my own challenges and hangups and my own cadence of how I move and how fast I like to go and, you know, the way I approach things. So it's also been beneficial for me too, to embrace patience and understand people's different mindsets, you know, mental strengths and resilience and things like that. So yeah, it's, that's kind of how it all came to be. I can't iterate the power of that platform enough. Very, very, very strongly believe and, and yeah, believe in the tools and the knowledge and the uh, resources that I, that I have listed here. They are as important as the platform of the wilderness. I can find those resources. I can digest them. I can turn them into my workbook, et cetera. But the wilderness is just there. Like I don't, I have no, no control or no power over that. That is just the, the seven to 9,000 foot mountain ranges. They're just there and they don't care about us. Right. They, they don't care about our problems or our belief systems or that we think that we shouldn't have to cross this Creek or anything like that. Right. They're just, they're like, Nope, we're here. You work around what we have. And there is a concept there that I really do love because, and, and, and it's touted somewhere on the website or in some of my Instagram posts or something where, where it's like, hey, there's going to be unforeseen challenges that, that I can't predict now. Every trip I'm on, it, there, there are things that come up where it's like, okay, this is a new challenge that we have to work through. And there's no, there's no ripcord, so to speak, when you're out there. I'll caveat that in a second. But for the most part, within reason, 
you just have to work through it. If you're tired or you're hungry or there's a creek or you can't find wood or you lose a steak or your backpack breaks or, I mean, you name it, you kind of have to figure it out and you have to work as a team to figure it out unless you're on a solo backpacking trip, which is another version. But it's such a powerful resource as long as your mind, if you frame it in the right perspective, if you're going, this is a challenge and an opportunity to learn, not this is a challenge and my life's miserable. I really do subscribe to that concept. One thing I will say, just to, like I mentioned, that caveat, the ripcord concept. So we do have opportunities for exit or extraction should there be some major issue, whether it's a medical issue or somebody's really just struggling and they're like, look, I cannot do this. I have a second guide with me that can walk them back, get them safely back down to wherever they need to be. If it's a medical emergency, there's protocols in place for that to get medical attention, et cetera. There's, there's a wilderness first aid responder that'll be with us. But it, you know, beyond that, there's all the safety protocols are covered. Even if it's just an elective extraction or whatever, that can be done as well. You know, it's not do or die or all, all or nothing. But hopefully, you know, within reason, if, if the challenges are really challenges that don't require medical attention or aren't severe, then working through them is part of the experience. I've been lost before, not like call the forest service lost, not to that level, but sometimes these trails aren't marked well and you're in a field of ferns and, and pines at the base of the valley and you're like, well, I can't use my topographical map to triangulate where I'm at because I can't see any mountains because there's a canopy. The trail markers are gone. This is this is not a small deal. I got to figure this out. And those are the things I remember. Those are the times I look back on and I go, yeah, this is valuable. This is, I, I know that I got through that. So I know I can do other things. I think there's an interesting parallel there where when you run into unforeseen circumstances on the mountain, it's just like in our recovery where we have to face life on life's terms and we have to deal with situations as they arise. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a, a good way to frame it and an interesting perspective to tie it into living life on life's term concept. I like that. There was a, another thought that I wanted to bring up. One other thing that I've noticed from you know, what you guys are doing with your podcast here, there's a couple factors I saw. One, uh, the concept of, of spirituality, and then two, taking the stigma off of mental health. I think I kind of, I might be paraphrasing. So I'll work on them backwards. The the taking the stigma off of mental health issues, development, progression, et cetera, you know, that's something I'm, I feel so strongly about and really is something I'm working towards in this, whether it's this program or with my peer group or friend group or you name it. Because like I mentioned earlier, I, I see it as just another group of muscles that you got to work out. Whether it's if you're a gym person, then all right, well, you need to work on your mental health hygiene as well. You could also equate it to brushing your teeth every day, right? You have these physical hygiene needs. You also have mental hygiene needs. And that's where like the daily checklist that, that I have in the, in the program as well as that I just employ of meditation, goal setting, um, reflection, and writing really come into play because I think it's a daily matter. Now, part of me just growing up as, you know, in the society that we're in, through the 80s, 90s, et cetera, I still feel that strange kind of, call it anxiety, it's not anxiety, but that strange kind of twinge every time I mention the word journaling or meditation or yoga. I know how valuable those things are 
but I know there's still some perception out there what type of person would do those. So again, I, I feel very strongly about removing some of those stigmas and just kind of normalizing all of this because we all need it or we all can benefit from it. You know, from these little mental health tips, tools, practices, you name it, you know, just keeping a, a really good mental hygiene practice in your life. It's just so valuable. That was one of them. The other one, the spiritual side, I'll turn it around for a second. Can you kind of describe the purpose of, of highlighting that on the podcast and how that's kind of come to fruition through through this? I'm going to go to your description here. Breaking the stigma of addiction and mental health and taking a deep dive into a spiritual principle. I think the word spiritual kind of has like a, a religious connotation to it. And so I, I'm not meaning it in a religious sense, but just the sense of the morals and, and things that we live by. So, honesty, open-mindedness, willingness, love, compassion, kindness, like those kind of principles are what I'm looking to get a deeper understanding of and get different perspectives on because I think, you know, everybody has a different perspective on things and we can all benefit and learn from one another and what what other people have experienced and so that's kind of the the aspect I'm I'm speaking of cuz at least for me when I'm on the podcast like I don't endorse a specific religion. I don't endorse a specific program for recovery. There's mm -hmm. many different avenues and different ways to get to that same place. Uh, I had a guest on the other day and his analogy was like a downtown city and there's multiple highways and they're all feeding into downtown. Like there's multiple avenues and, and different ways to get to that same goal. So basically I guess the podcast is just trying to explore different methods of recovery and get different viewpoints. Okay. Yeah, no, interesting. It was something I was curious about because I would say in general, and I guess this is getting a little personal, is that from a spiritual standpoint, it's something that is a bit of a struggle on my end. I tend to be a very pragmatic person. So I, I love trying to equate people that are, you know, the more traditional sense of the word spiritual or religious to more pragmatic benefits, meaning, you know, as an example, and this is totally off the cuff of, Praying has been said to be have similar benefits to meditation. Meditation has been proven to increase blood flow to the prefrontal cortex, which can boost discipline. You know, keeps you out of the out of the default mode network, which is you know where people who tend to struggle with depression have a higher activity of falling into the default mode network, etc. So, if any of that made sense to follow a pragmatic approach to to my beliefs and principles, etc. That being said, I know that there's some value in, there, not some, there's extreme value in, in the traditionally spiritual or religious side of things. And so always curious to hear people's perspectives on that. But also here, you know, hearing you kind of describe it a little more, it's also really appreciated. And I do like that open approach, that open-minded approach that you mentioned, you know, with that analogy of the highway. There's a lot of different ways to get there. And, and I think we kind of touched on that in the beginning a little bit of, do what works for you, right? Like if it's if it's working for you, then that's great. Who cares what it is as long as you know nobody's getting hurt along the way and things are truly working for you, right? It's not a short-term fix or some version of that. So let's see here. I have I had some other notes. I think I've kind of been through the most of them here. We talked through mental health exercises, physical exertion, stretching writing exercises, meditation, knowledge. 
There is one one thing I'll mention. This is more just logistics based for those who are interested. There, there is a little bit of a pre-reading or pre-listening. I won't call it a requirement. I call it a request because not everybody does or will do it. But there is some information that I like people to come into the program with. That being said, if they don't do it, then we kind of recap it all anyways, and it can be done through basically a podcast, listening to a just a pre-recorded version of it or reading itself. It's not much, but at least it introduces some of the concepts that we lean on, you know, some of the, the knowledge-based concepts that are not written by me, right? This is all, these are all experts in their field. I'll run through just quickly some of these, just in case there's, uh, you know, any interest on your end and, and some of the listeners can can also follow up if they're interested. All this stuff is also on the website as well. Yeah, the concepts in the book Choice Theory by William Glasser, he has reality therapy approach. He's no longer with us, but he has some really, really interesting and cool tools that were kind of uh, centered a lot around giving up control and really focused on self-accountability. And, and, and maybe that is one thing that is pertinent throughout or permeates throughout the program is one of the core beliefs that I hold is, you know, that people should be self-accountable and a lot of these concepts really put a lot of the onus on yourself to understand your role in things. And, you know, you can only do what you can do and you have as much power as you have in order to affect change, but no more. You're not going to be able to change other people, control other people, et cetera. So that also comes up in the, you know, self-accountability and the natural laws in the Baldwin Research Institute's freedom model, which is pretty interesting approach to recovery. There's also another book called The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg, which we take some lessons out of. There's a guy, Bruce Schneider, that has some really interesting stuff on leadership. Stephen Kotler has some interesting takes on engaging in flow, flow being kind of like the flow state. I could go into it from a, that's too long of a conversation. But if you're interested in, in flow, gaining flow, finding flow, et cetera, Stephen Kotler has some interesting information there. This woman, Kelly McGonigal, She's got some really interesting stuff on self-discipline and willpower, the default mode network, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, She's a neuroscientist. She is a fascinating woman. She's got some TED Talks out there and stuff, too. Group Dynamics and Strife by Sebastian Junger. I think I mentioned that earlier. Martin Seligman, Positive Psychology. Jordan Peterson. I know he can be a bit of a polarizing figure. Not sure if, if you're aware of who he is. He's out of a professor at the University of Toronto. I believe that's where he's at. But he has a, a really interesting writing program called Self-Authoring. And so some of the concepts are kind of parroted from there. It really feels like a life story concept where you do some past authoring, present authoring, and then future authoring. So if you can imagine, it's kind of dealing with a lot of stuff in the past, current virtues and pitfalls you have currently, and then setting some goals. So anyhow, those are some of the folks that we try to employ their knowledge because, again, they're experts. Brett, I really appreciate you coming on the show and telling us about another direction. Do you want to shout out your website or social media accounts or anything like that? Yeah, for sure. I definitely appreciate the platform as well. So again, everybody, if you want to find, I think pretty much everywhere, it's findanotherdirection. So findanotherdirection.com. On Instagram, it's Find Another Direction. The uh, Facebook page is Find Another Direction. If you want to email or reach out directly, obviously any of those platforms have the ability to do so, but you can also reach out at findanotherdirection at gmail.com. 
happy to answer just any follow-up questions, anything anybody wants to ask about as far as specifics, logistics, feedback. I'm happy to chat, so feel free to reach out. Thanks again, Brett. It was a pleasure. This was great. Thank you. I really appreciate the time. This, this was awesome. I appreciate it. Brett, thank you again for being on the podcast and letting us know about your company. If you guys would like to find out more information, I'll have the link to his website as well as his social media accounts in the show notes. You've been listening to Recovery Survey. If you got anything out of today's episode, I'd ask you to please leave us a five-star review and share this episode with a friend. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can find us at recoverysurvey.com. You can listen to all of our episodes on the website as well as connect with us on social media where you can get previews for upcoming episodes. So you love podcasts and you want to listen to more amazing content, but you have no idea what to listen to. And your friends keep telling you about great episodes, yet you can never remember what they told you. Well, here's the answer. Good Pods. It's the social app dedicated to podcasts where your friends podcast listeners, and favorite podcast hosts all come together to share on their feeds what they recommend and what they listen to. You can connect to others, bookmark episodes, start a conversation about the episode, connect to the hosts, and most importantly, listen to great podcasts right in the Good Pods app. Download Good Pods wherever you get your apps and start sharing with a community that loves to listen. Good Pods, it's where to connect and listen.